This morning, like I said, my name is Blake. I'm one of the, the pastors here at The Refuge. And of course, we have Pastor Scott, who typically stands in, this, uh, in the pulpit and preaches for us. <clears throat> but every once in a while, we want to spoil our congregation, so we have Pastor Blake preach. So I'm really glad to be able to... to now, don't, don't let it go to your heads, okay? I'm not going to be here next week, uh, so just savor it while you can, okay? Um, I'm just kidding. A little bit. So, um, but anyway, but Pastor Scott, of course, is faithfully preaching for us every single Sunday, and I don't think I'm the only one to say that I really do believe he has a special anointment from the Spirit to preach for us week in and week out, as we've been, especially as we've been walking through Genesis. So, um, but today, the reason I'm stepping into the pulpit is because today marks a special occasion in the, in the life of the refuge. And, um, and so I get to talk about what that looks like for us. So, of course, we know that Scott is our teaching pastor. Uh, me on staff, I serve as our discipleship pastor. And what that means is I get to work with our leaders to focus on how we can be a better and better disciple-making church. Now, of course, the primary way, one of the best ways that we go about making disciples is through our gospel community groups. And so that's why uh, we get to talk about that. That's why I'm going to try to lay out for you this morning what this looks like at the Refuge Church. Because since gospel community groups are our primary way of making disciples, that's the biggest part of my job is overseeing and supporting our gospel community group leaders and the groups themselves. And so, um, so if you've been here for any amount of time at all, you've probably heard it said that life in community, I'm sorry, life at refuge is lived in gospel community. Life at refuge is lived in gospel community. And we really, really, really believe this. We really do. And so, and today we're celebrating a big milestone in the life of our GCs, which is the launching of a new gospel community group. And so we get to celebrate that together. And so your elder team, we got together and we talked about what would it look like for us to celebrate this. And so we decided that we wanted to set aside this day to talk about why it's such a big deal at the life of the refuge, why gospel community is such a big deal, why launching a new group is such a big deal in the life of your church. So some of you might be thinking already, great, this is just one of those Sundays where the pastors are guilting us into being part of a gospel community group. And to that, I would answer... Yup. So, but okay, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. I, I, I'm not just trying to heap more religious activity onto your schedules. I'm really not. I'm not, I'm not asking you just to attend one more meeting, read one more book, whatever that looks like. That's not what I'm asking you to do. Because I'm, it's our belief that we don't want to ask you to do any less than what Jesus asks you to do. We don't want to ask you to do any more, but we certainly don't want to ask you to do any less. So Jesus, as he was setting the trajectory of uh, the early church, he pointed us in a direction that Christians have been following for centuries. And I don't believe that Jesus was expecting begrudging submission from reluctant followers. I really don't believe that's what he was expecting. I believe that Jesus is inviting us into a life abundant. I believe that, that Jesus is inviting us into a life of joy, of excitement, of possibility, of hope. He's inviting us to be a part of his work. How cool is that? That's pretty cool that the Lord would, would, would condescend and ask us to be a part of what he's doing. That's ridiculous, y'all. That's so cool that we get to be a part of that. And we truly believe that if you're not a part of that, you're missing out. If the only part of your religious experience is what you're doing right now by sitting on a Sunday morning, then you're missing out. There's more to the life that Jesus has for us than just coming to church on Sundays. And what I want to do is we're going to look at, during this time, we're going to do three things. So one, we're going to open the scriptures together, 
And I'm gonna, we're going to see what Jesus is inviting us to do. Again, you don't, I don't want you to do what I'm telling you to do. I want us to simply live out the scripture. I want us to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Secondly, we're going to see this in action because we're going to hear from some of our newest gospel community group leaders, and we're going to hear about what the Spirit is doing right now in their neighborhood. And then thirdly, we're going to pray as a church over these leaders, over this new gospel community group, as we commission them into the mission field as missionaries. We say that we're missionaries. Today we get to see what that looks like sometimes. So it's my privilege to walk us through the scriptures, lead us in prayer, and to celebrate what the Lord is doing right now in your city. Like, guys, he's doing it right now, and we get to be a part of it. That's exciting. And I hope it reminds us of what we get to be a part of. Not what you have to be a part of, not what you should be coerced to be a part of, what you get to be a part of. So I want you to grab your Bibles, and we're going to open up to Matthew 28. And that's where we're going to start this morning, again, as we see what Jesus is inviting us into. But first, uh, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for being a God who's not dead. <laughs> thank you for being a God that we don't just read about, that you used to do stuff way back when. God, thank you for being a God who is at work this very moment this very hour. God, you are working in the hearts of men and women and children all over the city. God, I I believe that you are working in the hearts of men, women, and children who are sitting in this room right now. So God, I look forward to seeing what else you're inviting us to be a part of. God, continue to point, continue to, to show us what the Father is doing, God. And don't let us do anything unless we see the Father do it first, just like Jesus talks about. So God, we love you. We praise you. Help us to be an obedient servant of Jesus, God. But again, show us what you are giving us, not what you're looking to take away from us, God. And help us get the, that paradigm out of our mind, God. God, help us not to, not to focus on what we have to give up to be disciples of Jesus. Help us to focus on what you're giving to us, God, which is a life abundant, just like you promised, God. You keep your promises, God. And we praise you for that, God. And we love you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So in Matthew 28, so what we see is we see the two Marys going to the tomb where Jesus was buried. And what they do is they, they walk up and what they see is the stone, the stone that was sealing the entrance to that tomb is now rolled away. And we see an angel sitting on that tomb. And the angel announces, Jesus has risen from the dead. It's a big deal. Imagine if you're hearing that from the first time. Jesus is risen from the dead. And then Jesus appears and tells them to get his brothers and send them to meet him in Galilee. So the women relay the message, and this is where we pick up. So start reading with me in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is where we get to the heart of what Jesus is inviting us into. So what I want us to do is we're going to look at this passage just a little bit more closely so we can make sure we're not missing any parts of it. 
So it starts out, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So the brothers that Jesus spoke to the Marys about, well, apparently they got the message from the Marys. And, and 11 of those brothers, it was probably a big group, but 11 of those brothers were the, were the main disciples that we read about all throughout the, the Gospels, minus Judas Iscariot before. So if you don't know about that, we can talk about it later. But, um, so then we pick up in John, uh, verse 17. And then they saw him and they worshiped him, but some doubted. So a natural response to a risen king, who you went to their funeral, and now he's standing in front of you. What do you do? You worship him. That's a natural response, right? But is, uh, is anyone else rolling their eyes at the other group, the, the doubters? Anyone else? I mean, what a bunch of dummies doubting the Je- risen Jesus. I mean, how, how ridiculous is that? Well, it's not that ridiculous, is it? I mean, think about it. I mean, these guys just days ago, watched Jesus be crucified. I mean, you and I, in 2021, we grew up with these stories of the risen Jesus, right? So it's, kinda, it's not that hard for us to imagine that. But, but sometimes our long familiarity with these stories can water down just how bananas this is, guys. I mean, this is crazy. A risen Jesus, like this guy that you went to his funeral, he's now standing in front of you. Do y'all not see how crazy this is? I mean, that, it's insane just to think about this guy standing right in front of us. You would be losing your mind, just like probably some of these guys were. But of course, you would be a bit skeptical, right? I mean, it's not every day that someone is raised from the dead. So it's, it's not hard to see where they're coming from. This is huge. But Jesus graciously um, eases their doubt by speaking to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus, just like he did in his ministry before his crucifixion, points to his relationship with the Father. Himself part of the Trinity, a sharing in authority with the Godhead. And it's, it's these very words that are similar to the very words that got him killed to begin with. Well, guess what, guys? The killing didn't take. <laughs> He's risen. He is risen. That's, not even death itself can hold King Jesus down. And you better believe that an attempted murder won't stop him from sharing his good news. Well, I mean, is it still attempted murder if they actually murdered him? But now he's, never mind. So I digress. But anyway, um, so, so Jesus gives his followers now their marching orders. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The age of the church is born with this command. These men who spent over three years with this teacher are being sent out with a mission. Baptize, teach. But what's the first thing Jesus commands? Go therefore and preach the gospel. Go therefore and go to church every Sunday. Go, therefore, and, and uh, look, live a good life so that people see you're a Christian. Go, therefore, and, and hide those little tracks at the grocery store that looks like $100 bills. Don't do that. That makes me mad. So, um, no, of course. We, we see what he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So, so don't get me wrong. Preaching the gospel, giving out tracks, going to church, living a good life, they're not bad things. They're really not. But those are just parts of making disciples. If the purpose of the church, the global church, not just Refuge Church, but also Refuge Church, if the purpose of the church was boiled down to two words, it would be these two words, make disciples. So this is where I have to stop for a second 
Because we just came to one of those Christianese words we all think we know. Disciple. Okay? We, all, we all know this word. We all think we know what this word means. But if I were to ask everyone in this room to write down a definition of disciple, how many different definitions do you think I would have? At least four. Okay? No, a lot. We have a ton, right? We'd have, we have a lot of different uh, um, definitions for this word. I mean, discipleship means things to different people, different churches, different nations, different cultures, all kinds of different stuff. So, so to make sure that we're on the same page about what we're talking about when we say this word, here's how we define a disciple of Jesus at the Refuge Church. A disciple of Jesus is someone who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, chooses to increasingly submit all parts of their life to follow Jesus. Okay, I want you all to pay attention, look at the screen, and read with me. I'm going to say it again. A disciple of Jesus is someone who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, chooses to increasingly submit all parts of their life to following Jesus. This is how we define discipleship at the Refuge Church. And special shout out to Sierra Gaskins for doing this artwork for us. So I think it's something that looks pretty cool. So maybe you'll see it blown up on a wall somewhere sometime soon. But, uh, but where do we get this definition? Again, we don't want you to just do what, the, what some random dudes at the Refuge Church tell you to do. It's our job just to help you see what the scriptures are already telling us to do. We're, we're just messengers of, what, of the messenger. So we get this, uh, this definition from the scriptures itself. We believe scripture interprets itself. And so it's our job to show you where that is. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at one of the, one of the many places that round out this dis- definition of discipleship. And the first place we're going to look at is, uh, again, in Matthew, we're going to look back in, in chapter 4. It says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is now called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus said, follow me, and he did. I mean, did did Jesus go up to him and hand them a flyer for a Torah study on Wednesday nights? They didn't call the Bible back then. But um, yeah, that's, no, what he did, he said, follow me. A disciple follows their teacher. So when we're reading the scripture, what does the disciple look like? I mean, what, what can we compare it to our world today? A disciple in the scriptures looks more like an apprentice than just a student. So is there anyone in this room, did, has any, did anyone go through an apprenticeship for their profession? Anyone? Did? What, what did you do? HVAC, yeah, so HVAC, anyone else? What did you do? Teachers, yeah, teachers go through an apprenticeship, right. So there's a lot of different professions throughout the world that it's not just uh, taking a test and going to do it, right? So what you did, right, is you just read books all day and you went and got a job, right? Never, Never. no, that's not what you do, right? So yeah, if you're a carpenter, if you're an electrician, you might do that, but you wouldn't be a very good HVAC repairman, right? So, uh, right, so an apprentice, what they do is they follow their teacher and they... They follow them and they, they, get, they uh, watch what they're doing. They uh, learn from their teacher. Their teacher turns around, has them do it. And guess what they probably do a lot? Make mistakes, right, sometimes? Not anymore, though, right? Of course not, no. Oh, uh, yeah, but yeah, we make, sometimes they make mistakes. They correct them and sit them out and try it again. Does this sound like what the disciples in the Gospels did? Yes. This is what we see disciples of Jesus doing, them following Jesus, watching him do ministry. Jesus sending them out and them doing ministry. Sometimes they fail and they come back and Jesus talks about their failure but teaches them even through that. That is what we see as what a disciple of Jesus looks like. 
And now, just like Jesus invited Simon and Andrew to follow him, Jesus is inviting us, you and me, to follow him too. But it's hard to follow Jesus alone. It is. In the scriptures, we always find communities of disciples who are following Jesus together. So turn with me now to Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 42. So it's just a few books over to your right. And we're going to see what it looked like as the early church was in its infancy. So this book of Acts picks up where the Gospels leave off um, with the ending of Jesus' ministry after his resurrection. So here in chapter 2, we see the church exploding on the scene. In our passage we read in Matthew 28, Jesus promised that he would be with us always to the end of the age. And we see this continue to come to fruition with the entrance of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So people were being saved left and right. And this is where we pick up in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the possession, uh, proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they did received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Wouldn't you love to be a part of something like that? Radical generosity, glad hospitality, supporting one another in love, being a blessing to those in and outside of the church. This is the legacy that we hope to continue today in 2021. And this is just one of the many examples of what Jesus is inviting you to be a part of. It's our hope that the people of the Refuge Church are known to be radically generous and hospitable. Not to make the name of Refuge great, we don't care about that, but to make the name of Jesus great. Because when people ask, why are you doing these things? And believe me, they do ask. We get to point them to Jesus. We get to answer we are generous because Jesus is so generous to us. Who are we to be stingy when Jesus gave me his life? Those are the conversations we get to have. And this is why gospel community is vital to life at Refuge. Because it's in gospel community that we get to live these things out. It's in GCs that we get to practice these things and learn from one another in doing this well. So, your neighbors, your classmates, your families, I mean, they probably won't see you follow Jesus just in the two hours that you hear on Sunday morning. They might, but they probably won't. But they will see how you follow Jesus in your home, at work, at school, wherever you find yourself for the other 166 hours of the week. They will see how you follow Jesus. So listen, you're already in these places. You already go to work and school, and you live in your neighborhood. What if, what if Jesus is inviting you to be a missionary in those places that he, in his sovereign wisdom, has already placed you? Let me ask that question again. What if Jesus is inviting you to be a missionary in the places that he's already placed you? He's already done the work of putting you in those places. What if he's inviting you to be a missionary there?
Again, Jesus might not be asking you to go somewhere new. He might be, but he might not be asking you to go somewhere new. He's already placed you in your mission field. Now, some of you might be saying, all right, pastor, your guilt trip worked. Okay, I'm in. And I want to be part of this, but I don't know what to do. Well, first off, I would say if you're feeling guilty, I'm going to blame that on the Holy Spirit, not me. Okay, so that's his fault. Okay, if you're feeling it. We call that conviction, not guilt. Okay. But secondly, what I would say is if you don't know where to start, let your church help you. That's what your pastors and your GC leaders are there for, is to equip you for ministry. Don't just look to your church to only feed you. You should also look to your church to train you. You're not here just to be fed. You're here to be trained into the work of the ministry. And this is also one of the ways that we continue to do what Jesus commanded us in Matthew 28 that we just looked at, in teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We train together and we learn together. We also read in Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave the apostles, I put up on the screen for you, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together with every joint in which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So y'all, we are in this together. The early church was a team sport and still is still a team sport. So let me say this. Don't settle with being one of those Christians sitting on the sidelines. There's more joy. There's more excitement. There's more life. There's a life abundant is what Jesus told us. When we get off the sidelines and get on the field and start playing the game that he's invited us into. Be part of a gospel community group so that you can be part of a community of believers who are, as we just read in Ephesians 4.15, are growing up in every way in Christ. Don't miss out on the richness of being part of a community of disciples committing to giving all parts of their lives for Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to show you what this is looking like at the Refuge Church right now. So this is the, uh, the northern suburbs of Memphis. You can see our little, our church is right there in the middle. Our church building, I should say. We are the church. Because right now the church is gathered together on Sunday mornings. And what we're doing right now is we're, we're fellowshipping and singing and praying and, and we're hearing the scriptures read. We're, we're taking communion here in a little bit, all in worship of King Jesus. But after this service, what's going to happen is you guys are going to be scattered back all over this map and even places not on this map. And some of you are also gathered into teams that we call gospel community groups to be missionaries together. And it's our hope that we continue to send more and more teams out as missionaries into as many neighborhoods, as many businesses, as many schools, anywhere we can. We want to place missionaries into those areas so that more and more people all over this map can hear the good news that Jesus rescues sinners. That is our goal. 
So currently, we have eight GCs that are, are um, scattered all over the map. And today, we're celebrating our newest gospel community group that just launched uh, a, a few, several weeks ago, actually a couple months ago. And it was placed right here in central Arlington uh, in, a, in a neighborhood called Hayes Place. And it's led by Catherine and Dawson Stockdale. So here's what we're going to do next. So I'm going to let, you're going to hear from Dawson and Catherine about what the Lord is doing in their neighborhood. You're going to hear how they're endeavoring to make disciples in their neighborhood, what they're doing to, to be a blessing to their neighborhood, opening their home to people in their neighborhood, all for the sake of letting people see what it looks like to follow Jesus. And then what we're going to do is as a church family, we're going to pray over this new GC as we send them out, commissioning them into the, gospel, into the mission field. So I'm going to invite uh, Dawson and Catherine to come on up here. And we're going to hear from them about what this is looking like in their context. And Catherine said she wanted to speak first. So So, uh, my name is Dawson. This is Catherine, as you just heard. Um, And we recently started a GC in Arlington. um, And... uh, I had lunch with Blake not too long ago, and he said, do you mind coming up and speaking and kind of talking about the GC and the vision? And I said, you know, as long as it's not Resurrection Sunday, I think we'll be okay. (laughs) Um, But uh, (laughs) so he said, um, no, in in all honesty, I want you to get up so we can see or for the church to see that if you guys can lead a gospel community, literally anybody can do it. Amen. And I said, okay, well, I'm honored, Blake. Um, so, uh, so we have, we have felt led, um, to start a GC for a while and quite honestly, we haven't wanted to, um, it's easy not to, it's easy to skip them. It's easy to not attend. Um, it's hard to be obedient. It's hard to, um, go outside your comfort zone. Um, so we're in a little bit of a unique situation in our, uh, subdivision because we're one of the first houses that was built. So we're meeting all our new neighbors and, um, and now there's a lot of kids, and all the kids really congregate at our house, um, which uh, is good and bad, because on one hand, your flesh is like, wait a minute, these parents are getting free babysitting for hours on end while these kids come over and break our stuff. And on the other hand, the Spirit is saying, you know, we put you here, or I put you here for a reason, um, and you may be the only Christian influence that these kids have uh, in their lives. So, Catherine and I sat down and we came up with a, a three-year plan for our GC, mapped out all our meetings, and I'm just kidding, we have no idea what we're doing. We, we literally don't know what we're doing this week. Um, so this is definitely outside of our comfort zone, uh, but what I've learned is once you step outside of your comfort zone, your comfort zone gets bigger and bigger. Um, so we're just excited to see what God has in store for us. Awesome. Thanks, Dawson. Yeah, so we're excited about what this is looking like, about, again, how we're able to multiply our GCs so that they can be, again, more specialized into just their neighborhood. Hayes Place is how many, how many houses is it? 30. It's like 30 houses, right? So imagine if there was a, a group of missionaries that went to some far-off country and focused on just 30 houses in a village. And they endeavored to, so that those people in those houses might know what it looks like to follow Jesus. That would be a big deal, right? Well, that's what these guys are doing, and they're doing it in Arlington. That's how we're trying to look at what it looks like to be missionaries. When we're asking you to go be missionaries, that's part of what we're asking you to do. But just like you said, sometimes we don't know how to do that, and that's okay. Because guess what? We have a really good leader in Jesus Christ, do we not? 
He knows what he's doing. The Holy Spirit isn't, oh, the Stockdales want to get involved now. Okay, let's regroup Trinity. All right, what do we do? Like, so, like, no, that's not what happens. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's how the Trinity works or not, by the way. But, um, but uh, no, he knows what he's doing. He's inviting them to be a part of what he's already doing. And they're saying, we want to be a part of that. And that's a good thing. And that's worthy of celebration. So what I want to do is that there's actually a core team. So I'm going to ask the rest of the Hayes Place GC, if y'all want to come join us up here on stage, which is the, the Turners, uh, the, the Franklins, the, um, the Murdochs, if, if any of those that are here, we'd love for y'all to come up here. You're not going to have to give a speech, I promise. So, um, yeah, so if y'all could join us up here. And then what I also want to invite is for anyone else here who is a GC leader, I also want to invite you up to the stage if you feel comfortable doing so. And what we're going to do, you want to talk? Yeah. We have a rule, never give Chris Franklin a microphone. Um, so it's in our bylaws. Um, so, uh, so if there are any other GC leaders who would like to join us up here, we're going to lay hands on this group because this, this is the core team that we're sending into this area of Arlington so that people will come to know Jesus, whether through word or through deed. So we're going to spend some time now as a, as, a, as a church family praying over this core team that's being sent into this area. I'm going to step down here. So for those of you who aren't up here, what I want you to do is pray with us. Okay, pray with us. All right, so for church, pray with me as we pray. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a God in control, God. If the message of Jesus was left up to us sinners to go out there, we would be in some real trouble, God. So God, thank you for being the perfect missionary, going out and and telling people about yourself, God. And God, continue to show us how we get to be a part of what you are already doing in Bartlett, in Arlington, in Cordova, in Lakeland, all over the city. So God, right now I want to lift up specifically our, um, the Stockdale family, God, who have, who have accepted the invitation from you, God, to lead a group of missionaries into the Hayes Place neighborhood, in that area, God. God, I, just like uh, Dawson was, was saying, God, sometimes things don't go to plan. Sometimes uh, things look a little bit different than we were expecting, God. But God, I ask that you allow them to first and foremost feel your presence in their lives, in their home, God. God, let them trust in you first and foremost for seeing this mission come to fruition, God. God, it's not their job to save people. It's not our job to save people. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, God. But you allow us to be a part of that work. So God, show us where we need to be obedient in that, God. God, I ask for strong marriage with, uh, between Dawson and Catherine. God, uh, it's, it's, it's to be expected, the work of the enemy, to try to drive wedges into marriages, God, especially when we're doing gospel work. So God, I pray against that specifically, that you don't allow the enemy to to come into contact with that God. Or if he does, God, that we were allowed to dismiss it quickly and flee from him. God, I want to pray uh, for the kids, God, who are part of this. God, it's it's probably frustrating for there are always to be strangers in my home, God, when I come home from school or from practice or whatever that is, God. God, I I ask that you give them patience and to look to their parents as as, uh, as they're leading them to what it looks like to be radically hospitable to their neighbors and family and friends. God, I ask for that frustration to even kind of be pushed down a little bit, God, and you allow them to see that this is what you're calling us into. And God, I also ask that, we're, um, that the Stockdale family is able to listen closely to the leading of the Spirit. 
uh, for whatever that looks like. Maybe they need to have a night off. Maybe they need to open up their home more, whatever, whatever that looks like. God, I just ask that you, that you allow them to follow where you are leading them, God. So God, I also pray for the rest of the core team, for the Murdochs, for the Franklins, for the Turners, God. I ask that you allow them to, um, to, again, listen to the Holy Spirit about what their role in this gospel community looks like as they're being pushed out into the mission field, God. God, I pray for the same thing I pray for the Stockdales, for strong marriages, for, for strong family, for, uh, for patience, uh, for hospi- hosp- uh, hospitality, God. I pray all those same things, even for uh, the other families, God, that are involved in this core team, God. And we trust that this is a work that you are doing in this place, God. So I pray for the, for the hearts and souls of the men, women, and children who are all in that area, God. There are people that are in their homes, at a church, wherever they are right now, God, who you have a plan for them that one of these people are going to have a conversation with them at one point. It might be innocuous at first, God, but they're going to see in one of these people what it looks like to follow Jesus. Whether it's tomorrow, whether it's three years from now, whatever it looks like, God, I ask you give us patience in that. But God, I pray for those families that they would hear or see what it looks like to follow Jesus. And boldly, God, we pray that men, women, and children come to know the saving grace of Jesus through this gospel community, God. We pray that just as we read in Acts, more and more added to their numbers, God, not the, not the GC, but added to the kingdom of God through saved souls, God, through the work that you are doing through this gospel community. And God, we pray that for the rest of our gospel communities all around the city, God, that again, that you would continue to uh, embolden the members of all of our gospel community groups, that you would continue to, to, again, show them where you're pointing them. God, I pray that as we're listening to the Spirit, we can say no to good ideas and yes to crazy ideas, if that's where you're pushing us, God. Again, you are the perfect leader. You know what you're doing, God. Help us to trust you and listen well. God, thank you for allowing sinners like us to be part of the work that you're doing. Again, God, that, that's mind-boggling to me. You can, you can draw straight lines with crooked sticks like us, God. It's crazy. We love you. Thank you for how well you love us. Thank you for the life you are inviting us into by being part of your gospel mission work. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, guys.